Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, folks. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me. We continue our examination of what was happening in Jesus' life. Uh, particularly the account out of Matthew. And these, uh, this is happening uh, right before he's crucified. He'd gone into the temple. <clears throat> He'd come into Jerusalem. He's in there and he's teaching. And if you remember, some of the religious rulers, the chief priest, and had come up to him and said, by what authority do you do this kind of stuff? And so he responded to them. And uh, he says, well, if you tell me uh, uh, how John received his authority and whether the authority came from heaven or from man, then I'll answer you and tell you. Well, they refused to answer Jesus refused to answer, and he spoke to them, though, after he refused to give them a direct answer, and he spoke by using parables. He spoke parables. So we've already seen that he spoke two parables to them, and they're already mad because they know that Jesus is talking about them. And he's told them that uh, the sinners of the world, the tax collectors and the uh, prostitutes who believe what John preached will enter into the kingdom of heaven before you. He had told them that the kingdom would be taken away from them and given to uh, another people who would bear the fruit thereof. A lot of times when you read these parables, people try to get into details and say, well, this means this. <clears throat> I understand that, but generally speaking, there's one simple meaning, and there's always one big basic point, and that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the big basic points right here. So Jesus continues. Uh, this is in Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. So he's, he's sharing another parable with them, saying, verse 2, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Now, now you notice that Jesus is using the term kingdom of heaven. Matthew was writing to a predominantly a Jewish background a group of people who were believers, and so he didn't use the phrase kingdom of God because they would not have used the name of God, but he used kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying it may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, verse 3. And he sent out his slaves to call those who, who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. And again, he sent out other slaves saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered. And everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Verse 9, Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. And when you look at that word invited, it carries the idea of compel, compel them to come. Verse 10, Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guest, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? 
And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Well, we know that last verse, but did you know the context of it? Did you know that Jesus was sharing it within the context of a parable, within the context of revealing to those that were placing all their faith and their trust in their religious practices, okay, that he was saying that's not going to be enough. Again, this enraged the Pharisees. Verse 15, the next verse says this. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted together how they might trap him in what he said. See, they could not uh, come back and debate him. They couldn't go toe-to-toe with him what he was saying, so they're just going to try to trap him. They knew what Jesus is saying. Again, he's given another parable here where the king is God, God the Father, and he's calling forth for his people, the Jewish people, and yet what do they do? They didn't pay any attention to what he had spoken to them through the years when he sent slaves to them. They paid no attention. They went about their businesses. They went about farming, and some of them actually seized his slaves, the prophets, the teachers, the ones who were true believers, and killed them, mistreated them, and killed them. Because of that, the king was enraged, and he sent his armies, and he destroyed their city. That's what happened, uh, just as an example, when Nebuchadnezzar finally destroyed Jerusalem. Okay? That he says, all this has happened. He says, therefore, I want you to go out, and there's even more to come. There's going to be a day come where it looks like, uh, as a matter of fact, the Scripture tells us that all the nations of the world will turn against Israel and Jerusalem. All the nations. And it will look like that Jerusalem is about to be totally destroyed and annihilated. It will not be, but it's going to look like it. Okay, that means that all around uh, it's going to look like the Israel is completely collapsed and fallen at the hands of her enemy. But it will not happen. And so he's given an example right here because he says, go out into the streets and compel people to come. So he's talking about everybody, the Jew, the Gentile, y'all come. So the place is packed. But when he comes in and looks, he sees someone there. And it's a sad thing he calls him friend. See, that's the Lord's desire for all mankind. He really desires for us to be his friend. But he notices one without wedding clothes. And you think, well, what is that? Well, it's really a picture that one is there with the wedding, but he's not prepared. Okay? He, does, he is not clothed in righteousness is the picture. Verse 12 tells us the man was speechless. That is going to occur, folks, at the time of judgment. There are going to be people who are think that they are right, who think they're righteous before God, who will point to their good works, will point to their generational things, will point to all the religious things that they did. And yet they are basically unclothed. They have not the correct clothing of the covering of righteousness. And they'll be standing for the king. And what will the king say? The king's going to say, bound him up, hand and foot. Throw him in the outer darkness in a place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's saying this, throw him in the lake of fire. He's judging him. Even though he did the good works of man and even good works unto man, he did not believe. Okay, he did not believe. Verse 15 is somewhat problematic in a lot of people's minds, and they don't want to believe it, and they don't know what to believe. It's really quite simple. It boils down to this. Are you going to believe in your ability to understand? Or are you going to believe in the word of the Most High God? Verse 14 again says, For many are called, but few are chosen. 
Many are called, but few are chosen. You see these phrases all through Scripture, and I understand there's big debate now within uh, uh, the circle out of my background and stuff like that over words that are very, very precise in the Scripture, and they're used all through the Scripture. You see that those who are true believers are called. You see that they are the elect. You see that they are chosen. You see that they are predestined. Now, a lot of times people want to come along and they want to extrapolate man-made corollaries. And so they say, well, if you're predestined unto righteousness, if you're not that, that means that God has chosen and predestined you unto condemnation. No, you can't make that corollary. And people say, well, I can't understand that in my mind. Well, I think you're getting closer to the truth. Are you going to trust in yourself? Are you going to trust in what God says? Sometimes people say, well, God has called those that he knows would choose him. No, 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 because that places salvation in the hands of man's decision. And that's not where it is. It's not where it is at all. It's in the fact that God called, that God has elected, that God has predestined, and God has chosen before the foundations of the earth. Now, quite often people will come along and they'll start throwing names at you. They'll say, oh, you're a Calvinist or you're an Arminian or you're a Baptist or you're a Methodist. They'll use all these terms. No, 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 no. Just simply look to see what the truth of the Word of God is. Trust Him, rest in Him, and He'll give us understanding. Okay? Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time.